Welcome to the Funny Because It's True podcast. I'm your host, Kevin McGeehan. The show is recorded live every other Tuesday at 10 p.m. at the Second City Hollywood in Los Angeles, California. Storytellers are either predetermined or chosen randomly on the night of the show to tell a true story based on different themes, and this podcast is a mixed bag of some of my favorites. The theme of this episode is Dignity. Three stories of self-respect flying right out the window. Josh Willis learns exactly how much his dignity costs. Jeff Parika destroys all chances of being with the girl of his dreams. And I, briefly, live out every waiter's fantasy. But let's not dawdle. First up, frequent contributor to the show and NASA climate scientist, Josh Willis. When I was uh, 18 years old, uh, after my freshman year in college, uh, I learned actually the exact dollar amount of the price of human dignity. Um, <laughs> at the time I was dating this girl, I'm going to say her name was Valerie, and she was this tiny little Filipino girl, very cute. Um, and we had this horribly dysfunctional relationship. And uh, it was, you know, I, she was really demanding and I was really accommodating. So, like, we'd have a fight and she'd be like, if you don't bring me a hot fudge sundae before the sun comes up, we're breaking up. So I'd wind up in the grocery store at 2 in the morning trying to buy sliced almonds and vanilla ice cream. Um, so uh, the other thing about Valerie that's important to know is that she was a good Catholic girl. And so for the entire three and a half years that we dated, I actually never made it past second base. Does that count as failure? I, maybe that, okay. Um, anyway, yeah, so... Which made it really awkward that summer after my freshman year of college when I got the crabs. Because, like, how does that happen? I mean, I still really, it's a miracle of modern science or something. Um, but anyway, so the one thing about, they're really, it's very hard to kill pubic lice. I don't know if you realize this. But, like, I put enough poison on my crotchal area to, like, bring down a small farm animal. And, like, they just kept coming back, you know? So I had to resort to uh, radical deforestation, which, like, as a climate... I'm, I'm a climate scientist, so, like, I'm normally against that. But, um, but that worked, by the way, that worked. But I learned a very important lesson there, too, because uh, I realized that there was no amount of manscaping that would ever make me look like a porn star. Um, it was just... It was not sexy. <laughs> It looked like a it looked like a, a a baby elephant doing a handstand or something, but um, anyway, I digress. I digress. So um, uh, the summer after my freshman year of college, um, I went to visit I went to visit Valerie in New York, where her family lived, and her family uh, her parents drove us down to Atlantic City for some reason. So we were 18 years old. We couldn't go into any of the casinos. So we just walked down the boardwalk, and we wound up uh, on the end of this pier, and there were all these carnival games. And so uh, this is when Valerie turned to me, and she said, you know, if you really love me, you'll win a giant stuffed panda for me at one of these carnival games. My dad brought me here two years ago, and he won a giant stuffed panda, so I know it's possible. And then she left to go to the bathroom. So there I was on the pier looking at all these carnival games, you know, trying to figure out something I could do. And they had the, the sledgehammer where you try and knock the little weight up the, up the pole and ring the bell. And I was too weak to do that. And then throwing the baseball at the milk bottles. And I couldn't throw, so I couldn't do that. And so all of a sudden, this guy, he leans over a counter. And he says, hey, buddy, 
I give you a free throw. And so I look over, and it's this game where there's, uh, there's a, uh, a fruit basket, and it's kind of on an incline, and you have a little plastic ball, and you throw it into the fruit basket, and if it doesn't bounce out, and you do that 10 times in a row, you win a giant stuffed panda. So I'm like, all right, free throw, giant stuffed panda, let's do this. So I make the throw. I, I, I take the first free throw, and I made it. And the guy says, oh, that's great. Here, throw it again. I made it four times, all right? I'm almost halfway to a giant stuffed panda. And I throw it again, and the ball bounces out. The guy says, okay, you want to keep going, it'll cost you $1. So I'm thinking, all right, $1, I'm almost halfway there, I'll, I'll go for it. So I throw it again, I make it two more times, now I'm up to six times. I miss again, and I go to pay the guy another dollar. He says, oh, oh, hold on. If you want to keep going now, it's $2. See, every time you miss, the price to keep going doubles. But I tell you what, if you get to 10, then I will not only give you the giant stuffed panda, I'll give you all your money back. Now, this is the point where an intelligent person would say, okay, I've only in this for a dollar. I'm just going to walk away, forget the dollar, never mind. Um, but I'm thinking, you know, my girlfriend won't have sex with me. I got the crabs. I'm almost broke. My luck is about to change. So I went for it. And um, about a few minutes later, uh, Valerie finally came back to the bathroom, and I had given the guy $63. I had made it nine times and then missed. And I was trying to figure out how to give the guy 64 more dollars so I could keep going. And I told Valerie what was going on, and she freaked out. She said, no! And she instantly started crying, just tears everywhere. Now, I had seen this show before, uh, but the carnival <laughs> guy, he was impressed. He said, oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. I tell you what, I'm going to give you your money back. You take it, and you get the hell off this pier. You got no business on this pier. As soon as the money hit my hand, Valerie turned off the waterworks. She grabbed me by the arm and hauled me off down the pier. So this carnival guy had not only completely swindled me, my 90-pound Filipino girlfriend had to save me at the last minute with her crocodile tears. So uh, the crabs got my pubes, and uh, <laughs> Valerie took my dignity, but I still had my $63. <laughs> Next up, Jeff Parika. I was a uh, freshman in high school, about 60 pounds lighter than I am now. And whatever catnip is to girls, I was the opposite. <laughs> I literally, I just could not talk to a girl I liked. Like, the fear of rejection would just silence me. I couldn't say something as simple as, I like you. I'd really like to take you out sometime. But it was uh, second semester, and there was a girl in my gym class for the purpose of this story, I'll give her the name of another boyhood crush of mine. Kelly Kapowski was older. Uh, <laughs> right. She was, uh, she was a sophomore. She played sports just like me. She liked to laugh. She had these beautiful ocean blue eyes that upon staring into for a long amount of time, it would make me uncontrollably go... <laughs> I'm not proud of that, by the way. Um, but uh, it was second semester. Time was running out. I was going to have to make my move soon. Cut to the last day of school. This was it. I had to do it now. I had my plan set on what I was going to say. I like you, and I'd very much like to take you out sometime. Uh, that particular day, it was raining outside, so we had to play indoor softball. 
Now, Kelly Kapowski and I, we ended up on the same team. And very early on, a ball was hit to me at third, and I fumbled for it, and I heard a few kind of snickers, one of which came from Kelly Kapowski. I was like, oh, I burned with embarrassment. But I was not letting that happen again. So a little later, a screamer of a line drive is hit towards me. Now, the following event takes place in two ways. One, what happened in my mind. Two, what actually happened. What happened in my mind? Uh, screamer of a line drive hit towards me. I deftly snared with my glove. I turned to throw it, and fortunately I have a rocket arm, and I fire a laser towards Kelly Kapowski, and she grabs it, turns to double play. Of course, she was so impressed with my rocket arm that she drops her glove, starts racing towards me. I race towards her, and, you know, we embrace as lovers do. So here's what really happened. Uh, screamer of a line drive hit towards me. I once again clumsily fumble it, and I go to throw it, but hey, I got that rocket arm, right? But instead of a laser, it's more of like a wounded duck. And at this point, I notice something very odd. Kelly Kapowski's glove is here. The ball's trajectory is here. Oh, oh yes. Uh, she has no time to react, and it just crushes her in the face. She goes down. Everybody, like, stops and is like, holy shit. And they all run towards her. I am just mortified. And I get to the scene, and I see her, and she is covered. And I mean, end of carry, at the prom, covered in blood. She's just, she's crying. Girls help her up and kind of help her to the locker room. And I'm like, what the hell do I do now? I am just mortified. I, I mean, if there's ever reason not to ask a girl out, this is it. But for, what, for whatever reason, deep inside me, I'm like, no, I'm finally doing this, damn it. So later, I know, I know, I, and I was so, uh, so later, I find myself down the upper classroom hallway, and I, I had to find her. School is out. Everyone's celebrating. I kind of spot her, and there's four of her uh, girlfriends surrounding her, and I walk towards her, and every part of me is just screaming, stop, what the hell are you doing? Turn around. Leave to get rejected another day. But I keep going towards her. Her friends are like just beaming glares of judgment at me. And I just kind of walk up to her, and I tap her on the shoulder. And she turns around, and I do my best like not to audibly gasp, but there's tissue just stuffed up her still-bleeding nose. Her beautiful ocean blue eyes, they're black and half shut. And her face just looks like, it looks like someone chucked a fucking softball at it. <laughs> Somehow, though, I just muster the like, remaining two ounces of courage I have left. And I start off by going, um, Kelly Kapowski, I'd just like to say that first off, I'm very sorry about this. <laughs> and at this point, her friends are giggling, and Kelly is, I had no idea actually what she was doing, because her face was just way too beat up to emote, but, uh, <laughs> but I still continued, and I said, I, I finally looked at Kelly, and I was like, it's just, um, um, I like you, and I'd really like to take you out sometime. And at this point, her friends are cackling. I feel like the whole school has stopped to watch this moment. And she looks at me and smiles, or I assume she smiled again, face so messed up. And she looks at me and she goes, thanks, but I'm seeing someone. Aww. Yeah. No, it fucking sucked. But uh, <laughs> what else could I do? I, was, I just had to slump away. I mean, I was utterly humiliated. You know, my heart was shattered. My gut just churned with regret. And I was as low as I've ever felt. But at the same time, after two weeks of locking myself in the room and listening to Alanis Morissette's Ironic on repeat, <laughs> oldie but a goodie, uh, you know, a realization came over me. I, I had faced my biggest fear. And sure, it came true. I was rejected, but I survived. And in fact, I was stronger now than I had ever been. And it changed the way I looked at things. See, 
I learned that it is far better to do and to fail than to never do and never know. I learned that hearts mend, embarrassments fade, and tomorrow will always bring new Kelly Kapowski's. Most importantly, I learned the greatest lesson any young man could ever learn, that if you are going to ask a girl out, whatever you do, do not crush her face with a softball beforehand. <laughs> Thank you. And finally, me, Kevin McGeehan. Back in the late 90s, I worked at TGI Fridays. Which is a restaurant that I can assure you where dignity is not on the menu. I worked there in the time period that was mocked openly in the movie Office Space. It was a time where we had to wear black pants, a barber shop striped shirt, suspenders with at least 10 pieces of flair, and a hat that represented our personality. I went the minimum amount you can do for each one because my personality was apathy for the entire corporate system of Fridays. I wore the required amount of buttons, which was 10, so I was adorned with the things I found at the bottom of a box, which was ask me about our Jack Daniels sauce or uh, every day's Friday in here. And um, I wore a newsboy cap. And the reason I wore a newsboy cap was because they would not let me wear a ball cap. So fuck them. I'll wear this newsboy hat. Another guy who worked there, and this is purely tangential, he was a guy named Angus, and he worked behind the bar, and he was a big jovial guy, and he was just a big pain in the ass. And he wore a jester hat with jingle jangle bells on them, and he'd walk around giving us Cliff Clavin facts about stuff that was false. But, now here's the whole point of this story. So, in uh, 99, what happened was this Friday's was in the Merchandise Mart in Chicago, which is the largest building in U.S. soil, uh, just by square feet, and uh, they put a Friday's in it, which was the worst idea they could possibly have done, because there was only traffic between noon and five. Otherwise, there's nobody coming in the Merchandise Mart, so no one comes into Friday's except noon to five. So it closed. So on one Wednesday afternoon, we were done. At 4 o'clock in the afternoon, our jobs were complete. We were laid off. We no longer had our job, nor our insurance, nor the desire to wear this. But I was the last one working. I was going to be the one going to the final, final 4 o'clock. At around 3.45, a man, an elderly man, and his very elderly mother came in, and they sat down. And then I walked over to them, and I gathered as much dignity as I could and said, welcome to Fridays, what can I get you? And they said, oh, you know what, we're going to need a few minutes. And I said, okay, I'll be right back. So right as I walked away, I got, for anyone who has waited tables in here before, I got the worst nightmare, which was I got quadruple sat instantly. And here was my dilemma, was that I didn't want to get quadruple sat at that point, but at this point, I don't have a job anymore, so why not get the extra 26 bucks? So I walk away from the elderly man and his very elderly mother. Then I'm sat with families, kids crushing Cheerios and knocking them off the tables. 
And then I have to get all their drink orders. And then I'm completely inundated and I'm completely in the weeds almost immediately. And there's no other waiters there. I'm the only one who's left. I'm the only chump that stayed to the end. And then as I get back around to the guy and I am flustered and sweaty and then I walk up to them and I say, I'm really sorry. What can I get you? And he says something that I blocked out of my head that to me was so rude and condescending that I didn't want to take it. And I just steamed as I took his order. I wrote it down. And then when he was done, he and I made eye contact. And just to show him who the alpha was, (laughs) I fulfilled the waiter's dream. I said, fine. And I took his menu and I looked right at him and I whipped it across the restaurant. (laughs) And then I walked back in the kitchen. Now, if the story ends here, it's awesome. But it doesn't. Because now I walked back into the kitchen, and now I'm caught between two worlds. Oh, shit, what did I just do? I can't go back out there to that guy. I went over to my manager, and I said, just so you know, Somebody may complain that I threw their menu across the (laughs) restaurant. Just so you know. Will you go to that table with me right now? So we walked back to the table. And I had to apologize to them. And then, once again, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, TGI Fridays, where dignity is not on the menu. That's it. That's our show. Special thanks to storytellers Josh Willis and Jeff Perica. Also thanks to Josh Callahan, Mark Warzeka, The Second City Hollywood, and the Comedy Podcast Network for producing the show. You can like Funny Because It's True on Facebook to find out upcoming show dates and themes. All the past episodes are available for free download on the Comedy Podcast Network and iTunes. While on iTunes, feel free to leave a rating and a comment about the show. The more comments help the show grow to a broader audience on iTunes. Plus, it appeases my staunch desire for approval and acceptance. If you would ever like to see the live show, Funny Cause It's True is every other Tuesday at 10 p.m. at the Second City Hollywood located on historic and slutty Hollywood Boulevard. So come out, put your name in contention, and maybe you'll get chosen to tell a true story on stage. And from there, get chosen to be on the podcast. My name is Kevin McGeehan. Thanks for listening. Receive this transmission from the Comedy Podcast Network. For more shows, visit comedypodcastnetwork.com.